Welcome to Life Without Secrets. Do you often find yourself comparing your life to your friends on social media? You see the glamour, the success, the perfect family, the perfect kids, the awesome vacations. But what's really behind the highlight reel? In Life Without Secrets, we are going to dive deep and reveal the secrets, struggles, and strategies people have used in real life to get to who they are now and who they are becoming. Because the truth is, nobody is perfect and you are never alone in what you're going through. So don't forget to subscribe to the show because it's time to connect on a deeper level and grow together. Today we have a truly extraordinary episode in store for you featuring the incredible Steven Scoggins. From homelessness to becoming an eight-figure serial entrepreneur and heartfelt industry leader, Steven's journey is nothing short of awe-inspiring. Through his curriculum of stuck-to-unstoppable life mastery systems, Stephen has dedicated himself to serving the person he used to be, guiding others towards their ultimate potential and elevating their possibilities. Stephen's work has touched the lives of Fortune 500 leaders, professional athletes, entertainers, and individuals from all walks of life, including myself. In this episode, we're going to dive into Stephen's profound insights, his journey of overcoming obstacles, and how you too can restart your heart and conquer your biggest challenges. Get ready for an empowering and transformative conversation as we delve into the mind of Stephen Scoggins. Stephen, welcome to the Life Without Secrets podcast. I am so, so, so excited to have you on here. What is up, my sister? How are you doing? I miss you, girl. I I miss you so, so much. And I feel like I have to give people a little background into our relationship. So I got to meet Steven in North Carolina at his event center. Amberly was hosting an event and I got to speak. And I have to tell you that one of my favorite things about you and what I think is like one of your true gifts is your ability to see people. And I don't mean just like see people, like see them, but like see their gifts, see their heart. I was nervous. That was the biggest stage that I've spoke on ever. And you're in the green room, like in the back of the stage, and you're just pouring belief into everybody, making me myself feel like a rock star in that moment, which is a scary moment. You know, when you're going to go speak in front of people, it's not an easy thing to do. And not only that, Afterwards, we got on a phone call and you spent so much time with me just continuing to pour belief into me and really encouraging me and giving me this real hope into this kind of new world I was stepping into. So before we get started, I just wanted to say thank you for that because it really has made a difference. And I I think about that conversation that we had in the green room and then I think about it afterwards and spending all that time on the phone afterwards, like that has made a huge impact on me to like keep going every day because we all know that like not every day is a good day and we're all going to have struggles and setbacks on whatever road that we're on. And so when you have those people in your life that are there to just encourage you and pick you up, like that has made a world of difference to me. And I know you do that for so many people. Oh, I sure try. (laughs) <laughs> oh, no, you're so but, good at it. No, I um, I love meeting uh, you and your hubby as well as all the amazing uh, folks that came with Amberly to the event. There was something special about that event. I still can't put my finger on it. One of the things that I remember most about you, this is where I get to compliment you because maybe your audience knows, they don't, who knows. Uh, first of all, I've already told you this privately, but you have the it factor. Like you can command a room. And as you develop this, the speaking side of you, 
uh, people are going to be grossly encouraged in a, in a very profound way, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, secondly, you have a heart of a servant. And I think the heart of a servant in today's marketplace is so underdeveloped or underutilized or underseen or unseen, I guess is the best way to say it. Um, that when you do see it, it makes you, it makes you attracted to help that person be seen, be valued, be heard, um, be appreciated. Uh, you know, Amberly is a, is a, one of my best buddies on the planet. I love her. Absolutely love her to death. And like with anything else, when you go to do to uh, put together a major live event, especially for like your, your very first time doing a major live event, there's a lot of moving pieces, you know, and, um, I watched you jump in and fill in the gap in some areas that Amberly desperately needed assistance with. Uh, not only you, you and your husband both did it. I was like, all right, this couple actually has the power, the potential to be a power couple. This could be really, really stinking cool, you know? So I love all that. It was amazing to watch it kind of take shape. Um, you know, I think some of my favorite moments were watching everybody step onto the stage for the first time, get rid of that 90 second nerve, you know what I call, I call it a 90 second nerve, settle down and just go. And you know, what's so funny is like, I feel like you have the same attributes and I feel like when somebody comes from their heart, there's like a level of connection and it's really like, feels like a heart to heart connection. Like you can feel it in your chest, like it's warm it feels good. It feels authentic. And I feel like because you are that way, you are a heartfelt servant leader, like a hundred percent. I want to know though, how do you think that your journey from homelessness now to eight, nine figure entrepreneur, like you've been so many different versions of yourself in this whole process. Do you feel like that has anything to do with how you're able to see people, how you're able to relate to people and really encourage them in whatever stage of life. You know, me and you might not be on the same level in in, in some areas of life, but mm -hmm. like I feel like you see me, you understand me, and you can encourage me from a place of like, hey, I've been there and like, let me help you. The short answer is yes. The longer explanation I would say is all of those trials and tribulations, all the things that I thought were going to take my legs out from under me or you know, take me out altogether, ended up building me, which I think is a story for anybody that will leverage adversity for their advancement. Um, and that really is a choice. What is this moment? What is this season? What is this relationship? What is this business moment? Whatever. How am I going, how am I going to let it define me? And the definition comes down from the choice. So you can either let it define you as in somehow you failed, you didn't, you didn't measure up, you, you know, you, you, you didn't put your best foot forward or any number of things like that. Or you can look at each one of those seasons as an opportunity to learn I would say that one of the reasons I feel like I, I've been given a discernment as it relates to seeing people for who they can become is because it was given to me. One, I had my first mentor. He believed in me long before I believed in myself. Um, he commanded excellence out of me. He commanded me to, re to, to reach for a higher standard that I didn't even know existed. Um, he commanded me out of poverty. He commanded me towards you know uh, spending more time not in the prosper zone for prosperous sake, but in the sake of you need to fill your tank up so you can actually have the, the level of liquidity, if you will, to pour out into other people. So as I'm kind of thinking through all that thing, one of the things that comes up in, the, in, the, in, the, in my heart is I'm desperately trying to be and illustrate what healthy masculinity looks like. Okay. So healthy masculinity to me is very driven. It's very ambitious. Um, I got big dreams, big visions. There's a lot of different ways in which I can impact the world. However, I don't let my aggression or if you will, or the, the aggressive side of my drive bleed into my relationships with other people. Uh, one of the core reasons is, is again, because it was done to me. 
you know, and I find that when we're trying to pursue a worthy endeavor, um, it's easy to get disappointed and discouraged. If you get disappointed and discouraged, then all of a sudden you get distracted, you get distracted. Next thing you know, you have self-doubt. Self-doubt leads to kind of taking three steps back rather than three steps forward. So all of that to say that I think what I've tried to do is I try to treat people how I want to be treated. It's a novel idea. It's the coolest thing on the planet. <laughs> it's almost like I didn't come up with it, right? You know, <clears throat> kind of thing. And the reality is, is if you will go back and do the work on you, you'll have the tools and resources and talents and all the things that you need to then go out and help somebody else. But you'll come at it from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. um, you're not going to come at it from, I know what you should do, so therefore do it. You're coming at it from, I understand where you've been. I understand what's holding you back. And I would like to give you the tools, the talents, and the resources to break free from that because you can be so much more. I used to tell people all the time that you are where you are today because it's all you've allowed yourself to be. You know, so the reality is you have to choose to become something more. And those that make that choice end up doing really incredible things, whether it's only in their family, in their community, in their business, at scale. You just, you never know where your destiny can take you if you'll just keep leaning into developing yourself. So on that note, I want you to share that moment, the part of your story of where you went from going from homelessness into construction, because I think it's really important for people to see that you can start with what you have, even if it's not much, right? And maybe say like, what was it along that journey that helped to get you there? Because like you're saying, you know, we start something and then we get an obstacle or we get a setback and then, you know, we're stuck. So can you kind of tell that story for us? Because I think it's so important. Like some people, you know, they're like, well, I don't have what she has. I don't have this, you know, and they're like, make excuses or, and sometimes justifiable, but they're still staying stuck in where they are. So tell that story in a perspective of like, how did you do that with what little you had? So again, I like, I like easy answers first. And I'm happy to tell you the story, but I mean, the easy answers are faith, chance, and choice. I had the faith it was going to work out. I was willing to take a chance and I chose to take the chance in short. So in short, what happened was, is I'd been homeless for probably, you know, four to six months. When you're homeless, you're, you're, it's a blur. Like your days are all going together. I fortunately managed to keep my, uh, my gym membership at a local gym. So I showered and got cleaned up. So the average person didn't really have a clue that I was kind of like not doing so well. And to be honest, I was telling a friend this today, I could have been unhomeless, so to speak, or not been homeless just by simply picking up a phone, but pride, arrogance, you know, trying to prove people wrong trying to kind of have a false sense of identity or false sense of self kind of led me there and kept me there. All that to say that I went through a transformational moment where I found my faith um, at a litter box while cleaning a litter box. It's a, that would take the entire podcast to explain. So uh, we'll have to come back and do another one. But essentially within a week of finding my, uh, my faith, I was invited back onto a construction crew that my dad was leading, but my first mentor of all time owned. Now, what's important to know about my first mentor of all time is he had given me everything under the sun a year and a half prior, and I squandered every bit of it. I was 18, 19 years old, making six figures. And the reality was, is I went and did what most people do when they're not equipped to wear the mantle in which they've been saying, I want to, I want to be able to do this. And I want to be able to do this. And I want to be able to do this. I'm a big believer in stop asking for that and ask for your character to be structured so you can withstand that. Because there's a responsibility the further you put yourself out there. All that to say that within the first week, 
I kind of, um, I managed to have convinced this guy to give me just a second chance. Okay. It's the end of the week, my first paycheck in months, $176 and 82 cents. Um, and I remember my father yelling at me after I had made this, this deal with my first mentor, if you will, like, kid, what the hell are you doing? Like, what? Like, I just got you back out here. And I remember yelling at him back at him and said, no, this is something I have to do. When you have that moment of, I have to do this, your whole world can change. So to me, a, a secret of life or a hack is to get to the place where I have to do this. Like, meaning if I don't do this, I won't be congruent with my authentic self. I won't be congruent with who I know I can become. So you have to take that chance. And in that chance, this former mentor of mine, he said, I'll give you the opportunity, but I'm not giving you the tools and the equipment and all the stuff that goes with it. So I'll give you a second chance, uh, but you got to figure it out. I shook his hand, big pearly white dentures and said, okay. And then out of that, again, a lot of, especially entrepreneurs, we like to think, well, um, I need to get a loan to start my business. I need to do this to start my business. I need to do this. I need to have this key relationship to do this. If, if I meet, if I just meet Mr. Milet, he'll, he'll, he'll see my value and put me out on his podcast and explode. And just tell you none of that shit. Well, part of my friends, none of that stuff works. None of it works. What I've realized is, is you have to show up as the authentic version of you in the moment to make the most of the opportunity that's in front of you. And for me, it was legitimately building everything that I needed with my father, which is the first time my dad actually showed up from a broken home, out of the trash piles to get things going. Tony Robbins says it best, resourcefulness is far more powerful than resources. And I find that the most life-changing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, uh, people that can step up and do some major teaching and shift people in a, in a positive way, all of them, including Tony, have what we would deem as a traumatic or a horror story of sorts that they have to come back from. or they. But that is what it takes to shape you and define you. And if you stop asking everybody for the things you think you need and just started going after the thing that you think you want, you'd find that you're going to get there a lot quicker. We have a lot of the same relationships, a lot of the same people, A-list thought leaders, B-list thought leaders all over the place. Um, and while I love them dearly and they love us dearly, you know, there, there's no expectation from me to say, Hey, Ed, put me on your, put me out there. Hey, Marie, put me out there. You know, it's, it's, I'm going to go out, I'm going to show up as Steven and I'm going to serve you period. Right. And through that act of service, people tend to see your value because your value is now visible. Does that make sense? You're rather than holding all that gift and all that talent in and not exercising it through the power of resourcefulness, you're actually hiding your light. And because you're hiding your light, your light is not bearing the witness that it needs to bear to open up the opportunities and the doors. You see what I'm saying? You know, I had a, I had a very positive conversation today with a, a business endeavor and all they wanted to know was the beginning. Tell them the beginning of your story. And, and I'm like, oh, oh, okay, why? Because it, in the beginning of your story, we'll find out how your character was built. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. And that's so funny. And I can totally relate to this because, you know, being a teen mom, like having a baby at 18, you know, it was like, I had to make those really, I had to make some really hard choices. And I had to also ask myself a lot of the deeper questions at a really young age, you know, and I think you did too, right? You, you had to do the same. And it's, it's interesting because I feel like once we do that work on ourselves, do you find that it's so much easier to connect with people because you know who you are and you've gone through things, you've had to ask yourself those questions. You've had to get resourceful. You've had to 
dive deep in order to come out on the other side that, that you can then just show up as you, which is so much beauty in that, in that and in our setbacks is our always our biggest growth. And so I, I always love to hear the beginning too, because I think that like, you know, it's one thing, you know, when we're on social media and we all share our highlight reels, right? Like, and you see the success, you see the love, you see all the things that people want, but behind the screen, there's a lot of people feeling lonely, isolated in their struggles, right? And they, they do, they sit there and they compare their lives to this person or that person instead of looking at themselves in the mirror, asking themselves the deeper questions, and then, you know, moving forward with what they have like you did in your story, which is why I thought it was so important to highlight that part of your story. What would you say were some of the darkest moments in your life, like after that? Because I think that like, although we've overcome something, right? Although we've maybe got through that point, it doesn't mean that we're not going to be hit with more things in our lives. It just kind of better prepares us. So what were some of those darker moments that also gave you life lessons? I'll share a quick story to kind of give an illustration. It was actually before I started the business. About a month prior to starting the business, um, I was actually sitting on top of a bridge on 440 in Capitol Boulevard um, within minutes of taking my life. Now, what you'd have to understand in that moment was all the evidence, life evidence I had had from nine years old up until then, um, right around 19, said that I was destined to become a failure or destined to live a mediocre life or destined to die with my dreams still inside of me. And I was very fortunate to have a broken Nokia 5160 phone with a cracked screen. I still remember it. My grandmother, uh, who was four foot 11, who used to tell me, she goes, good things come in small packages, but so does dynamite. I'm like, I'm going to be living that out the rest of my life. Thanks, grandma. Yeah, I loved her to death. Four foot 11. And she, she owned my six foot something grandfather, which was really cool. But no, in the grand scheme of things, you know, that act of love gave me a resource that allowed me to pick up the phone and call a high school girlfriend's mother that I was super close to that had mothered me the entire time I dated her daughter. And even after I stopped dating our daughter, after I stopped dating her daughter, she was the first one to pick up the phone and chew me out for dropping out of high school. First one, right? But she was also one of those people like Steve who would speak life into me continually. She nicknamed me Sugar Wooga. I nicknamed her Mama Wama. So that was like our relationship. But I remember picking up the phone and dialing four or five numbers, getting no answers. Nobody's like, and the, the more I would dial in these answers or dial in the phone numbers and get no response, the more I was, I would hear almost like in the, on my left side, like I told you, so you're a failure, you're, you're, you're worthless or, you know, all this garbage that we negative self-talk, some would call it the devil or evil or whatever. It could be a combination of all of it, but it, it wasn't helping me. It wasn't serving me. Meanwhile, this thing was screaming on my left side and my right side, I had these quiet whispers, which is keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. Have you, have you talked to mama wama? you know, kind of thing. And then I picked up the phone and called her and within 30 seconds, she knew I was in trouble. 30 seconds, she knew I was in trouble. And she was trying her best to get me to tell her like where I was and she was going to come get me and all this kind of stuff. And of course, I'm feeling guilt. I'm feeling shame. I'm, I'm hating myself in that moment. I just failed to join the Navy SEALs, which I'd worked my ass off to try to join. And, you know, all of this kind of stuff. So, you know, that the military was like my last ditch effort, if you will, to like build something of myself and have some stable food and shelter would be nice, you know, kind of thing. And lo and behold, uh, this is one thing I think all of your audience needs to remember when they're in those dark places. 
super important. It's been one of those things that I've, it's one of those um, quotes that if you let it seep into your soul can carry you through some very dark places. Um, and that is, she had me screaming at the top of my lungs, this too shall pass and what comes next will be greater. Okay. So everybody's probably heard this too shall pass. What they forget is the prophetic side of the back end of it that says what comes next will be greater. Because as uh, T.D. Jake says, new levels, new devils. As you go through a dark, or dark season, all of a sudden you go through a very bright season. And then as you develop that side, you go through another dark season. And then it's called the dark night of the soul. And you go through life gates repeatedly through life. And of course, I didn't know that at the time. Um, but that one quote um, carried me through that moment. Um, it carried me through building the business from when I... All of my competitors had fancy trucks and all this money and all this stuff and super flashy. And I was the guy just with a nail and a hammer, just going after it. I'm going to make something of myself if I die. Like you have to have that kind of belief um, that it can be better to pursue it being better, if that makes any sense. And one of the other things that I'll, one, one final point there on that particular topic is not only do you have to have the belief, you also have to know the difference between isolation and solitude. Isolation is not being done out of choice. It is when you are, well, I take that back. It actually is a choice. You are choosing to isolate yourself from the very people, mentorship, training, seminars, all this kind of stuff that could actually help you shake yourself out of that season and get on to the next thing. And in today's world, there's no excuse. YouTube, podcast, books. I mean, your your whole show is, a, is fantastic just helping people shake loose. You know what I'm saying? Solitude is a choice. The only difference is, and I use this as an analogy, just for those of your audience who might be familiar with the Bible, there's a guy named King David in the Bible. Most people like to brag about King, the King David part, meaning he's a king. They forget he became a king in the cave. You see what I'm saying? So you're going to become a king or a queen in the cave as long as you're taking the time to resonate at such a level that you're learning enough where you're believing in yourself, you're developing your self-confidence, and you're doing so with the intention. So imagine King David right now. He's sitting in a cave. He's got a guy that's after trying to kill him. He's throwing heart, he's throwing spears at him and all kinds of stuff that he has done no wrong. The guy's just jealous, right, of David's anointing and where David's supposed to be going. He's commanding an army, but the army's in the cave with him. He has and an this happens to everybody, by the way. Like when you start going on this journey that you want to be on, people will start throwing swords at you. And it's okay. That's the thing is you have to get to the place where, oh, that's okay. I'm going this way that's okay. I'm going this way. David didn't stop sharpening his sword while he was in the cave. He didn't stop strategizing. He didn't start talking to his generals about, Hey, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? Where are we? The dude just kept going. You know, you and I talked about this briefly at uh, Amberly's event. Cause you know, we, Amberly and I have a running joke that she's the queen of unstoppable. I'm the, I'm the king of it kind of thing. Being stuck is nothing more than not making progress. That's all it is. Okay. So if you feel like you're stuck and you're actually saying I'm stuck, what you're really saying is I'm not making progress. Did you know you can make progress the next day by just taking a step you didn't take the day before? It's super simple. Yeah. And that's why like, even in our relationship now, like it's always about praising the progress, right? We're never going to get it right a hundred percent of the time, but like, Hey, you know what we argued about today? It was because we didn't spend enough time together. Like that's a gift because we both want to spend time together, right? Like, cool. Like, let's praise that. Let's praise that progress. <laughs> but it's true. Like pr progress is everything. And yeah, and I think that that helps us like 
win, right? Like if you develop this sense of confidence, of self-worth by doing just the little things to get to the next best thing. I love that. You talk a lot about transparency in transformation. How can transparency help us transform our lives? So the easiest way to articulate this is most of us walk around with a veil or a mask of some kind. We are walking around for the praise or the value or support of others. We are not being honest with ourselves about our gifts, our talents, and our shortcomings. Um, the key moment that got me out of homelessness was actually this moment while in that gym that I mentioned to you before, where I'd raised, I was just like I got something out of a movie. Like I'm washing my face and just trying to like, you know, kind of do like, what, they, what do they call them? I hate to say this because I don't want anybody to get offended, but uh, my granny used to call it a Pollock bath, right? You're just like rinsing yourself off or whatever, right? I don't even know if that's a thing, but that's what she called it. So we'll just leave it with granny and we can blame granny. But in the grand scheme of things, I had this moment where I looked up at my eyes and I caught my eyes and I could see my soul for the first time in a long time. And I was like, dude, what the hell are you? Literally like challenge myself. Here's the thing about transparency. Transparency is a threefold process. It's identifying your strengths, it's identifying your struggles, and it's identifying your blind, your blind spots. But it's not doing it through guilt, shame, or condemnation. When you're trying to assess really where you're at, and you're trying to be super honest with yourself, you can't be authentic without being honest, right? Those two play a huge role in becoming truly transparent with yourself. And until you're truly transparent with yourself, you can't transform yourself because you're lying to yourself, Okay. So in this particular moment, I raised up my eyes. I'm looking at myself. What the hell are you doing? I had two choices in that moment. And this is where people, I think, get led astray. Because I think a lot of people have those moments. We're like, dude, what are you doing? Like, what the hell? Kind of thing. Is this. You have the, in that moment, you have this, this area where you got a choice of, do I blame, condemn, and shame myself? Or do I evaluate myself as if I'm an editor watching my life movie on the wall and I'm saying, Man, she stay away from that closet. You know, there's a thing in there, you know, kind of thing. We have the ability to see the life from the outside. And when you can learn to see your life from the outside as someone who's viewing it, all of a sudden you can still, you can start to take it apart without blame, shame, and condemnation. So what that allows you to do is to actually have a true evaluation of what it was. So in my case, I've always been fairly gifted with getting to know people, Right. My life coach tells me I'm a, I'm a, a, what do you call it? An intuitive empath or something like that. Like I can, I can sense people or whatever, which is, which most people here. All right. So I got a funny, funny side note. Everybody has this capacity, by the way. Um, if I was to put you in a 10 by 10 or 10 by 12 room with no lights and just dark walls. Okay. Just follow me here for a second. And you were to go in that room by yourself, you would know you're by yourself. However, if I put another human being in there before you enter the room, you'll also be able to sense that other human beings in the room. Okay. That is proof positive that the soul has resonance. Okay. So all of that to say that if you want people to be attracted to you, you have to become attractive to yourself. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. This is everything. Like this is why we can connect on a deeper level though, right? Like, because if you are somebody that is longing for those deeper connections and you're not receiving them in your life, sometimes we have to look in the mirror and go, am I connecting with myself? Am I, like you said, and I love the way you put that, like, look at yourself, like in that movie, in your own movie, right? And take that external view of yourself and 
then ask that person those questions, those deeper questions and get to know you in there and then use that to like move you forward. And then once you remove that barrier, you're going to attract connections in your life, right? It's just like you're saying, like that person that's it's in a dark room, like maybe you can't see them, but you can feel them there. You can feel them because you know you know who you are. And then you can have that heart-to-heart soul interaction, which is what we're all craving, I think. Really. Like I see it every day. Like people are people are lonely and they're stuck. Like, you know, in the world that we, we I feel like we're so I'm so grateful, you know, because we have like so many positive, energetic, cool people like going after things, but like that's not everybody's like first view, right? Like they go to work and then they get in like a hamster wheel and then there's like a lot of negativity. Um, People even actually talk negative about you if you go after something positive, you know, and so they're kind of scared to reach out but they end up just hiding. They end up hiding behind, you know, the social media life or like behind everybody in their office that thinks that, you know, you have to stay in the hamster wheel and not go after your your biggest dreams or not go after it, right? And then they just stay there. But it's like we're we're so much meant for more than that. We're meant for so much more connection and like when I go into the ER, it's a really dark place, right? And like I go there though, knowing what I am in that dark place. Like I want to be the light, you know, so you can walk into the office, you know, then tomorrow and praise your progress on just like showing up and being there for somebody else, like being a positive light, being a good example. Like if you are taking the time to connect with yourself and makes other people around you go, what happened to her? Like, how come she is like that? You know, and that's why you attract people. I try, right? So it's, you know, you're, you're trying to be your best self and your authentic self uh, as often mm-hmm. as you can. One of the things that keeps popping up in my mind as we're, as we're chatting here and th- people are getting an insight in how you and I talk when we're just hanging out. So <laughs> is this, I discovered what one of the best times to do solo work is right after a breakup of some kind. Could be a business breakup, uh, could be a relational breakup. And here's why. You are going to be heightenedly aware of the things that you did not want that from your perspective that happened within that relational background. You're also going to be hyper aware, hyper attuned to wanting to make yourself better. You'll find that after a breakup, people start going back to the gym like crazy and they start eating better and start. But meanwhile, whether with their previous partner, they're like taking care of herself and all this kind of stuff. Right? So I use that as a, as a telltale marker to say, what if you had a self-imposed time frame of singleness? Now, this is obviously not for married folks because married folks should be married, but still having that time and space to really look at self. I'm currently choosing to have a self-imposed time of singleness right now because I know that I want to cultivate secure, safe, trustworthy, and very advantageous masculinity, right? Because I want to bring in the yang to that for my yin, my yang, right? I want to bring in someone who's safe, mature, who's maybe really secure in their femininity. And we all go in and out of masculinity and femininity. Like I'm totally down with someone who's like going after it and getting after it. But as long as when we're home, like we're back in our, we're back in equilibrium, right? I wouldn't know what I'm looking for, what I want in a future partner without going through the self-imposed singleness. More importantly, 
I wouldn't be doing the work on myself to get ready for the thing. My grandfather had me do this a long time ago. And I'm using this as this is one time, one tool you can use to develop your, your yourself, basically, because it's your hyper tune, you're hyper aware, right? He had me make a list starting with character traits first about what my ideal partner, mate, whatever you want to call it would be. Okay. I get down to the end of that thing. And of course, at the end, I'm allowed to put down the attractive things where I want him to have this and this and that, right? So I want to be nine foot tall, you know, because I'm five foot nothing. No, I'm just kidding. No, but uh, after that list and he goes, okay, you done? I'm like, yeah. He goes, okay. Now the next question I want you to answer is this. I'm like, what's that? He's like, who do you need to become to attract a person like that? That started this process of anytime there's a major life um, breakdown, whether it's a relationship or something else, Again, when you're in your darkest moments, that actually is the, the best time to have a heightened state of awareness about what needs to change. But only if you look at it from the lens of, hey, I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to be whole. You, know, you see what I'm saying? Like it's, it's, it's totally got to the right lens. And you know what's interesting is like, I think this works in like, this is what happened in our life too. I mean, it's why when you saw us in Raleigh, like, you know, it looks like my husband and I are like, have this awesome connection, you know, which, you know, we, we do, we connect great now, but I will tell you that like, well, it's almost been three years ago now. Like I was like, peace out. I was done. And it wasn't until it got real ugly and we were both like, you know, going to walk away that we like dug in. But when we went to therapy, we had our own separate trauma therapist. And then we had like some marriage ones too. But when I going into it, I was like, I'm not doing this for you. And if on the other side of this, I learn enough about myself that we continue to choose each other, I'm okay with that. But I'm not going to go into this for you I need to go into this for me because the most important thing is that I can learn about myself because if I don't know myself, how can somebody else know me? How can somebody else meet my needs if I don't even know what my needs are? You know? And so, yeah. And so, yeah, I think going back to that, you know, it is. It takes time. And I can see where like those breaking points in our life, losing that job, um, not having the finances that we need, um, not having that relationship that we desire. Those are the moments. Those are the times. Those are gifts actually in the long run that really made us sit and, and ask ourselves those questions and figure that stuff out. So I, I, I love that you point that out. And I think it is. I think it's so important to know. And can you tell us your quote one more time that you use? This too shall pass and what comes next will be greater. This too shall pass. And what is the last part? What comes next will be greater. What comes next will be greater. Like I'm just going to write that on my mirror. The um, One thing I want to mention real fast is science uh, studies and recent science has shown us that we evolve as beings about every eight years. If you were doing the work on you seven to eight years from now, you'll be a completely different person. Okay. And it happens in evolutions like this, right? If your partner is doing the same thing, then you will continue to grow together. There's, you know, there's all, there's also this triangle diagram about going to God and which all that's true, by the way, 
but it, it still requires both parties growing individually at the same time in a consistent fashion where one is not necessarily getting a hit too far ahead of the other. If one person, let's say you did, let's say that um, someone in key in your relationship decides I'm good. I don't want to grow anymore. I don't want to do anything. I'm, I'm happy with me. I want to live a low key life or whatever. Then you should say, I bless you. That's cool. You need to be honest with yourself about where you're trying to go. Yes. And we, my husband and I would not be here if it wasn't for both of us seeking a growth pathway. So how do we, and I'll be honest, like I didn't always have this growth mindset. Is there any tools you have that can lead somebody to develop more of like a growth mindset, like to learn how to praise that part? Like how does that develop? There's something that each of us has the capacity to develop, but what it requires is the choice to develop it, right? Historically, there's this old adage, the old beat up dog will lay on a porch and it'll literally sleep on top of a nail until that nail is protruding so much, so much through that it actually causes pain, right? Then the dog will get up and run off the porch, okay? Our lives are a lot like that. Again, a lot of times I... And this goes back to that it happens for you and through you, not to you kind of philosophy. If uh, an event transpires in your life that you deem as negative, the first thing you should do is say, hmm, I didn't get the result I wanted. Why? Right? I, I don't, I don't, you know, I, I was expecting this, but this didn't happen. This happened. You know, what was the action? What was, what was the belief behind the action? Uh, what was the mindset used to create the belief behind the action? And for most people, that sounds like a lot of work. Like, like your brain starts going, I don't, I don't want it, it, It's just, you need to be able to look at yourself with transparent eyes, own up to your responsibility and whatever the thing is, that responsibility and accountability is actually what changes you, right? You can go through your entire life thinking it's somebody else's fault. I've got a, um, a team member that you know, worked for one of my businesses and now has worked for three other businesses and they swore up and down that the business was the problem. But yet they started with the other businesses. They're there three, six months. They started having the same problems they had at my business and the same, pro and then they, that, that is a telltale sign that if you keep reliving the, the same thing, the groundhog day, that something's not right and it's probably you. Yeah, the common denominator. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And you got to be okay with that, not from a place of judgment, but from a place of awareness. I want to be aware of my shortcomings so my shortcomings don't hold me back. The reason people stay stuck is a couple of things. The primary one is they'll stay stuck is because they won't address the shortcoming. Okay. They'll ignore it for as long as humanly possible. And they keep getting the relive Groundhog Day over and over and over and over and over and over again. The second one actually comes into a Time Harris poll that came out in the, um, I want to say it was like 2020, 2019. Time Magazine and Harris poll um, did this massive study across the states. Okay. And they discovered that 68% of the total population would say, I'm living an unhappy, unfulfilled, or non-joyful life, okay? And they were like, is it money? Is it relationship? Is it, is, is it your job? Is it this? Is it that? Is it this? You know what they actually discovered? That people are not feeling fulfilled and happy because they're living someone else's life. They're living the life that someone else told them to live. So how do they restart their heart? It's very simple. First of all, you have to decide what you want. Then you have to decide what kind of person you need to become to obtain what you want. And notice that your wants, your needs, and your fulfillment will change. Don't chase happiness because happiness is a farce. It does not exist. 
chase contentment and fulfillment. Contentment and fulfillment are not done from outside in, they're done from inside out. So when you're going through struggles, like you, you know, pers- you know, some personal things I've shared with you a couple of things behind the scenes, right? Cause we're friends. And in this entire process, there's been lots of opportunity to be bitter and angry and mad and whatever. And you know, how could you and blah, blah, all this kind of garbage, but that doesn't serve me. Instead, it's, I send you love and light. I hope you're, you know, da, da, da. And okay, Stephen, what do you need to know? How can, what do you need to develop for the next stage? Right. My life's not over. Your life's not over. One bad event doesn't make your life over. Too many times we think a bad life event, a relationship, a business, or whatever, we use that as a defining characteristic to then hold us in our prison of our own making. We define our lives by it. You want to shake your life loose? I use a, a four-part framework that I use. That it's, it's my tool. It helps me. I call it grow. Ironically, it's gain perspective, remove roadblocks, organize a plan, work the plan. Gain perspective from as many different places as possible. Friends relationship that you know, like, and trust that will be honest with you and truthful with you. Get your feedback, figure out the roadblocks and the shortcomings that are hidden in all that stuff. Remove those jokers, whether it be through therapy or mentorship or coaching or whatever, and then organize a plan and then work the freaking plan. Gain perspective, remove roadblocks, organize a plan and work your plan. That's so good. Grow. My son is a young guy. I love him to death. He's a lot like me. I have a feeling he will become a future successful entrepreneur um, because he's asking a lot of the same questions at 21 that I was asking. He's like, what do I do? How do I get there? I don't know what I want to do with my life. I don't know. I'm like, dude, just go knock something over. Just go do something. Because the, the inability to take action by definition will actually develop the inability to make a choice. If you can't choose, you can't act, you can't act, you can't get results. At least if you choose, act, and get results, at least you can measure the results against what actually feels like fulfillment to you. So how do we get rid of the fear of the action? Because I feel like people have all these great ideas. How do we remove that? Do we just decide? Like, Do it scared. Do it nasty. Do it ugly. Do it scared. Just do it. Most people are where they are today because it's what they are deciding to allow themselves to be. And until the nail is sticking in their rear end enough to make them want to get off the porch, they're not going to get off the porch. What I'm saying is, is rather than wait for the nail to get it in your butt where you, where you have to get off the porch, why not choose to get off the porch and go hydrate yourself with water or something? Like, just like do something, knock something over. So, yeah. All right. So what do you think has made the greatest impact on your success in life and why? I choose to attach all of my emotional energy to my aspirational identity. I choose to put all my action, my resources, my learning, my mentorship, my coaches, the people that I help. I'm choosing not to focus on where I've been. I'm choosing to focus on where I'm going. Now, I don't lose sight of where I've been. It's part of who I am, but I'm not going to live there. I'm going to live in who I can become, and I'm going to see how far I can get in life. I'm going to try to become, this is my personal mission statement, kind of like summarized. I'm going to try my best to become a Steve Meyer to as many people on this planet as humanly possible before I leave it. And Steve Meyer was the guy that influenced you, that changed your life because he made you ask yourself those deeper questions to propel you forward. Amazing. I love that so much. And okay, so now I want to know, like, what's coming up for Steven Scoggins? No, we've got a lot of exciting things. I'll be, we'll be launching a new program called Unstoppable Startup, very near future. That program is for five-figure entrepreneurs who have a desire to scale to eight figures. 
Um, we have an online platform that'll be there, but more importantly, I'm going to open it up for the first hundred users to one-on-one coaching and quarterly coach. I'm going to, I'm just going to give them everything just so as soon as it launches, I'll uh, make sure I share the links and stuff with you guys. And, uh, and as you guys can all tell, just listening to every single word that comes out of your mouth, like you have, you're so insightful and just everything you say is just got a lesson to it. And you, you use like so many awesome analogies that makes everything so easy to understand, easy to break down and easy for people to apply to their own life and go, Oh yeah, I I don't want to do that. I want to do this, which I think is such a talent of yours. And I think it's, it's grown from all the work that you've done. So I love it. I love it. Well, the, the, now the choice is your audiences. Where do they want to be five years from now? And then what are they going to do to get there? That's a good question to leave this on. Where can we send people for your program and like to connect with you? Because I know that everybody's going to want to after listening to this episode. So the two places that are easiest to connect, I'm on all the social platforms that you can shake a stick at, but I pay closest attention to Instagram and that's Steven with a PH at underscore Scoggins and then stevenscoggins.com. Uh, both of those places are great places to find out more. All right. I love it. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Anytime. Take care. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Life Without Secrets. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Once again, thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.